Welcome to the Course Report. This is Curtis Tyrell. We got a great episode for you today. Welcoming a couple guys out of California, Mr. Brian Sullivan, certified golf course superintendent, master greenkeeper at Wilshire Country Club, Los Angeles. And Justin Mandon, golf course superintendent at Pasta Tiempo Golf Club in Santa Cruz, California. This is the real deal behind the scenes, inside look at the golf course professional venues around the world. It's the smooth and true facts. It's time to get on the green. It's time for the course reports. Welcome to the program, Brian Sullivan, certified golf course superintendent, master greenskeeper at Wilshire Country Club in Los Angeles. Brian, how is everything looking out in sunny LA? Uh, thank you, Curtis. Everything's good. We're mid-70s. Look like we're going to be mid-70s to maybe the low 80s for the next 7 to 10 days. So pretty good conditions to be firm and dry throughout the event. Awesome. Awesome. You guys are in advance week, so you're uh, awful busy, huh? Yeah. If, uh, golf course, we're fine with the golf course. If uh, TV tower doesn't kill anybody, we'll be fine. <laughs> there you go. And we'd also like to welcome to the program golf course superintendent at Pasa Tiempo Golf Club in Santa Cruz, Justin Mandon. Justin, how are you? Doing great, actually. Uh, watching our tournament live right now. You know, that doesn't happen every day. You get to uh, watch your own tournament, your own golf course on television. It's a pretty cool experience, huh? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. You know, all the hard work we put into our jobs and get an opportunity to watch some great golfers play it on TV is always a special experience. That's for sure. That's for sure. This is going to be a really cool episode because I'm talking to you guys who are both in tournament mode. Justin, you're on the backside, the events being played as we speak. And Brian, you're a week out or so from your event. So we're going to be able to offer our listeners a couple different perspectives. And you know what this is all about is we're trying to bring our side of the business, uh, information about the turf, the golf courses, who's growing the turf, who built the golf course, you know, stuff that you just don't get on your traditional uh, network broadcast. And we think that that's going to help people have a better golf experience and also enjoy the game more when they're watching it. I mean, what do you guys think? Do you, do you find that in your daily lives, people have an interest in what you do and like to know more about it? How about you, Justin? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you go to a party or you're at a kid's birthday and you know, another parent or somebody asks you what you do and you tell them you're a golf course superintendent. I mean, it's an instant 15 minute conversation because, you know, the majority of golfers and majority of the public really have no idea what golf course superintendents do. Yeah, that's so true, especially when you tell them where you work, uh, such an iconic place. It probably goes a little longer than 15 minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, half the time it ends with a requested tea time. Usually that's how that conversation <laughs> goes. But, yeah, it's always a good conversation for sure. Right. And Brian, I mean, you've been at this a long time. You've got 35 years in California. You're a, a veteran of the industry. I mean, do you find that people are always asking you about the details of your job and, and, and want to know more? Uh, sure. Where my kids went to school, there, there weren't a whole lot of other golf course superintendents. But, you know, we wind up surrounding ourselves with uh, like-minded people and such. So some are interested and some are in the business. And Let's jump back to you, Justin. So, Justin, you're a California kid. You went to school out at Rutgers, but you've spent your career in California. Tell us about, you know, your path to Pasatiempo. I was working at a local 
country club, Larinka Nada Country <laughs> yeah. Club, just over the hill in Los Gatos, California. Um, just as a job, just free golf, you know, 19-year-old kid. And uh, was working the driving range and cleaning clubs and doing all that fun stuff. A new superintendent came on board and, right. and we became friends. And he asked me to work for him for the summer. And, you know, I just got the bug. I got hooked right away. And uh, I was going to community college at the time studying horticulture. So it was relatable for me. And I was kind of already down that, that plant science path. And uh, I worked a summer for him and immediately applied for Rutgers University and got accepted the two-year program. Did my two years at Rutgers and finished my two years at Lorinconada when I got back and then immediately moved on assistant superintendent position at Sharon Heights Country Club in Menlo Park, um, right by Stanford University. Worked for a great superintendent, Mike Rothenberg there. The last three years he was at Sharon Heights and then when he retired, position at the Olympic Club opened. Pat Finland hired me. And I went to the Olympic Club and spent seven years there, was the assistant on both the Ocean and Lake and the superintendent on both the Ocean and Lake. Did the U.S. Amateur there in 2007 and then was a Lake Course superintendent for the U.S. Open in 2012. And then about five months after the Open, position here at Paso Tiempo opened up and it was kind of like a coming home for me growing up so close to this place and the history and reputation of this golf course. It was a, uh, it was a slam dunk for me when I was offered the position. Man, that sounds like quite a ride. I want to back up just for a minute. So you're a Northern California guy and you go out to uh, turf school at Rutgers in New Jersey. What was that like? That was a mind opening experience <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. New Brunswick, New Jersey is not Santa Cruz, California. I can tell you that. Absolutely. And I, I had never seen freezing rain. I had never lived in the snow. I had never experienced the uh, East Coast vibe, you could say. Sure. But it's great. I mean, you know, the, any opportunity you get to uh, to do something like that, you got to do it. And, and I learned a lot from it. It was a great program and super appreciative of everything I learned and the friendships I made there that I still have. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Did you do an internship associated with that program? Was that back in California? Yeah, so I was already sort of working at Larinconada before, so I just did my internships at Larinconada, and I was super lucky. I mean, Larinconada paid for me to go there. I mean, they paid oh, man, for my great. schooling. They paid for all my travel, room and board. You know, a very, very lucky, unique situation that they took care of me when I was out there. So, yeah, I ended up doing my internships at Larinconada. Right, right. And then off to Olympic Club, and what a tenure you had there with the 2012 Open. And so you guys did some construction work before that too, right? Yeah. In 2009, we did a huge renovation on the lake course. So rebuilt all the greens from Poa to Bent Grass, and we moved the eighth hole completely to a new location. And then like any open, lots of T extensions and uh, extending the yardage there at the lake course. But it was pretty much a nonstop construction project there. I mean, that's a huge property, 45 hole facility. I felt like we were always building something out there. Post US Open, I mean, um, the, the entire lake course was renovated, all 18 holes as well, renovated all the greens to bent grass and basically redid the entire golf course. So I got to see both golf courses basically do a huge transformation while I was there. Oh man, that's, you know, there aren't a lot of superintendents really that that get to do that in their entire career. So to see it, it's such a great place and, and to that scale had to be, you know, really rewarding. 
It was. And, uh, you know, that experience, you know, definitely set me up here for Paso Tampo and, and whatever else my future holds. Um, we did a lot of the stuff in-house and uh, we were fortunate enough to have the equipment and have the crew and the resources to do a lot of that work. So uh, it was a great experience. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about Pasta Tiempo here in a minute, but let's, Brian, let's jump over to you. So you have been in California for 35 years. Tell our listeners about your career path that brought you to Wilshire. I mean, you started at Medina many years ago or other places. Tell them about it. I grew up in the Chicago area and uh, went to school for a while on a golf scholarship and worked for Arnold Palmer down at the base. Went back to Chicago, went through uh, Michigan State, and then uh, landed out. It was brought by Don Pacal, one of your predecessors. At Don, when uh, Don came out to the Vintage Club, I followed and have been out here in California since. And uh, you spent 25 years at Bel Air. 25 years. So we went from you know a, a club that had standards 25 years ago to uh, you know a, a newly constructed golf course. And uh, now I'm on my way to uh, reconstructing what I think is one of the other gems. And I think I'll be able to do that over the next five, 10 years. That's my goal. You know, I don't think people really realize how difficult it is to grow grass in L.A. because the skinny on it is that everything grows there, but to get something to grow really, really well is tough to do. I mean, do you find that to be true, obviously, as a true veteran of that region? Yeah, absolutely. Fortunately, now. And it brought on, and just dealing with this too, the water issues have simplified our management. Out here on the coast, we just don't have the water to mimic what the gas in Palm Springs can do. And by not having the water, we're, we're not trying to oversee and basically present two golf courses a year. You know, we're growing warm season grasses and cool greens. And um, not only are the conditions better, but environmentally it's better. And it simplifies our ability to present of the best possible golfing experience. So it's a positive. Yeah, yeah. You guys are both uh, super busy right now. Um, Brian, you've got the uh, your version of the LA Open, uh, the Hugo Air Premier uh, Championship on the LPGA Tour. So how do things stand with where you're at prepping for the tournament? Uh, they're, they're good. We've got 20 acres of native. We've got a bark that runs through the party. There were 30 inches of rain this year. We were punched pretty severely. But uh, golf course is ready, greens, tees, fairways, bunkers. Got a few more days that we can dial in, and uh, um, we're hearing things from the uh, ladies of the LPGA RA, and we're looking forward to a great week this week. Oh, man, that's great to hear after so much rain that uh, you were able to kind of get through that and, and be in such a good position. What are you growing on your putting greens? What kind of turf do you have? Greens here are basically 100 years old, so they're basically annual bluegrass little bit of bent. You know, they'll putt right around 12 on the sit meter, a little bit less maybe for the event. And the fairways and our uh, 419 hybrid Bermuda. And the uh, native areas, 25.6 acres under of buffalo grass and some ornamental grasses. All right. Well, you know, you said that uh, maybe a little bit less than 12. Are you implying that maybe you keep them faster week to week than what they're going to use for the event? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> As you both know, going into a uh, member guest or what have you, you know, you, you enjoy the opportunity of rolling and mowing and, you know, presenting, you know, the golf course with great putting quality. The members here, 12 to 12 and a half is kind of the ideal pace. They're 100-year-old greens, so if we get over 12 and a half, it, you know, the rounds get 
water and such. So, um, you know, prepare that. Uh, then that you would do, you know, mowing, mowing, mowing rain at night or preparing for a U.S. Open. We're, we're not going to be able to dial it in that far, but we're going to make sure that uh, 1 through 18 are exactly the same pace and firmness, and that will be a challenge. And I think that's what's expected from the tournament folks, and that's what we're going to provide. Sure. So it's an old place and just, you know, kind of an icon of the area, you know, what's the vibe like at the club, you know, day to day? Um, is it uh, the big Hollywood types or is it just kind of your everyday LA people or, or who, who are your members? It's a mixture, you know, we're, we're right outside the city. It's kind of an eclectic mixture of people that enjoy their club and they're very avid golfers. I'm not sure of the rounds, but it's every bit of, you know, 35 to 45,000 rounds. We're busy almost every day. People enjoy the uh, improvements to the golf course, and uh, they're enthusiastic about continued improvements. And and what's wonderful is the membership is enthusiastic about the LPGA and the fact that they're going to be here five or six or more years. So that makes my life a little bit easier. Everybody's in sync. So the club is a mixture of folks that live in the area and live around the area. So it, I think to some degree, the members are defined by not being defined. What about the tournament next week? Is there anything that you're concerned about or, or you feel like, hey, you know, we just need some good weather and it's going to go great? I've had a year of developing the crew and uh, I have a good core of uh, guys around me. So, you know, I, we're going to be able to almost function like it's our member guests. So we don't expect any surprises and we look forward to the challenge and maybe some of the fatigue and we get to stress test our guys and as a result um, have a better staff at the end of the event than we did when we started. Yeah, you know, that's that's a great point. I mean, developing a team is a big part of what it is that we do in preparing golf courses. But at a championship level like that, when you go through that with the guys, you come out on the other side and everybody's bonded in a unique way. And you think, is that what you're describing? Absolutely. And, you know, in our case, we've got a couple of interns, you know, that are 20, 25-year-old guys. And, you know, they haven't been under the Hollywood sign watching TV cameras throughout the property. So it's a fun experience for all of us from head to toe. Yeah, that's awesome. So Justin, you are in the final round of your event going on this week. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. We're in the final uh, six holes. (laughs) Yeah, right down to the wire. So you're hosting the 73rd Western Intercollegiate, which is a really prestigious college event hosted by San Jose State. And how are they doing in the tournament? They are tied for the lead right now, which is unbelievable. They have not won since 1994, I believe. So this would be a huge win for them uh, if they could pull this off here, this last six holes. I did one college event in my career when I was in Las Vegas. It was a women's college event. There were 15 schools there, and it was an awesome tournament. But, you know, on the men's side, the way those guys play today, it's like, I mean, they're the true bombers. I mean, they hit it as far as uh, the moon. I mean, what are you seeing out there in terms of players? Oh, it's unbelievable, uh, the distance that you see these college players hit it now. And that's what's been fun about this event. It's been such a good story. We're playing 6450 wow. for this event. Wow, yeah. I mean, short, short golf course. And, uh, you know, there's only, there's less than 
10 people in the field under par right now for a field of 90. So it kind of shows how well this golf course has held up over the test of time. Everyone's always talking about distance, but Alistair McKenzie had something figured out eight, 90 years ago um, when he built this place. I mean, the greens are obviously extremely undulated, original push-up greens, and they definitely will uh, will test your short game um, regardless of your length off the tee. I mean, you know, Alistair McKenzie and his, you know, what do you want to call it? I mean, how do you define the guy? I mean, he's got the best golf courses you know, on the planet. I mean, he designed the best golf course on the planet. That was his home course there, right? Like he lived right around the corner or on the property or something like that. Yeah. His house is here on the sixth hole. And, uh, you know, if you're playing golf, there's a, there's a nice plaque in the cart path. A lot of people stop by and take pictures, but you think all the places he designed and, and all over the world and, you know, Cyprus and Augusta, and, um, Valley club and, and, Crystal Downs and all these places. And, you know, he, he chose to live here. He chose this to be his home and where he kind of lived the rest of his life. So it definitely was a special piece of property for him. And, you know, the way he layered these bunkers here at Paso Tiempo and the way he set these, these greens and, and laid this golf course out throughout these hills in Santa Cruz, throughout these barrancas, it's a pretty special piece of property. You know, one of the things that it stood out to me with his designs, uh, you know, that, that I've been privileged enough to see, and I haven't seen yours, but is his use of scale, right? I mean, you go to Augusta, you go to Cypress Point, and while you might be on a relatively small parcel of acreage, everything just was grand in size, you know, the way he made it all fit together. Does Pasa Tiempo have that same feel to it? It does. It feels big, but we irrigate 66 acres here. You know, and, it, wow. and it's a probably a hundred and five acre total piece of property. Mm-hmm. But when you're out there, you feel like it's big. And I don't know how he did it, but he made it work. And you're right; everything feels grand when you're standing on a tee or you're standing on approach shot, looking at fairway bunkers or looking into a greens complex. It's almost like he just he painted this picture every hole he did, and he was able to pull it off when when they built it. And it's it's really something special wherever you go to one of his golf courses. One of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you up to come take a ride around. With I was out visiting some friends in that area last year, my dad and I, and on our way back to the airport, we pulled into the parking lot. The course was closed. You guys were aerating, and um, you know, so we just kind of glanced over out of the parking lot. You know, just wanted to catch a glimpse because we were, uh, you know, just so anxious to, to 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 catch a glimpse. But next time, I'll give you some advance notice, see if I can hop in your cart. But uh, more importantly, what are you growing out there in terms of turf grass on your greens, fairways, tees, and such? Oh, we're pretty much 100% annual bluegrass. Just did a tee renovation this past fall. So we did do those in perennial ryegrass. But for the most part, this is POA country out here, California coast. You can try to grow a lot of other things, but most of the time you're growing POA. Right. And uh, it's a great climate for it. I mean, I love growing Poe out here and we're 70 degrees all summer long. And we have, you know, I can probably count on my hand 10 days where we're over 85, 90 degrees out here in Santa Cruz. So growing annual bluegrass is great. Yeah, it's it's perfect climate for it. You know, I think people hear about annual bluegrass uh, on television. They know of Oakmont and they know of of you guys over there in California, you know, but in some places it just doesn't work. It's just way too fickle. And 
you know, it dies first in the summer, it dies first in the winter, it's a big problem. But because of your temperate climate there, it actually is the ideal surface. And and what we do know about POA is that when it's good, it's really good. So, I mean, how is your, your putting surfaces? I mean, are they super slick this week? They're pretty quick. Uh, definitely had to hold back the reins going into this weekend. With these green complexes, if the green speeds get away from you, the tournament's going to get away from you. And, uh, you know, for most of the green complexes out here, there's so much undulation. We only have four or five pins no matter what. So if we get the greens, you know, over 12, 12 and a half, you're going to start losing those few pins that you have. And the last thing you want to do is just watch a bunch of, uh, just a bunch of people four putt on TV. So (laughs) we've definitely are extremely diligent about, you know, monitoring our green speeds and our firmness and moisture and, and making sure that we have it in a place where it's going to be fair competition for everybody. Right, right. You know, so that's how much of that do you do for your everyday play? I mean, you know, is that is that just tournament setup or is that something that's part of your your daily regiment? No, it's just as important for our daily regiment. We're a semi-private golf course, uh, kind of a unique uh, model where we have 400 shareholders that are members here, but we're also fully open to the public. And uh, the thing about these greens is, you know, I try to maintain them at 10, 10 and a half day to day. And with the undulations here, that's plenty of speed for, you know, a scratch golfer or a 15 handicap to come out here and have a really good time and what find out. And, and Brian hit it on the head earlier. You know, you get the greens a little bit too fast and you're playing a six hour round, which nobody wants to play. And that's not fun. Golf is supposed to be fun. And that's what we try to do out here. So. Um, we really try to uh, keep the greens at a fair speed day to day and are definitely very aware of green speeds out here. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than um, the misconceptions of, of a club somewhere where they think that number matters over having a good time. <laughs> but you know what? Some people like pain, I guess, you know? Yeah, I know. I don't talk about green speeds at all with the membership. It was something that I kind of, when I first started here, I was, I was very deliberate on, on talking to the green committee and talking to everyone about, we're not going to be stepping greens every day and talking about it. We have a target. I'm going to keep it in that target, but we're never going to be a club that posts green speeds. We're never going to be out there talking to people what, what the green speeds are. And I've said before, there's three speeds, you know, you get on a putting green and you put a couple of balls Real fast, we all know, okay, these things are a little slow or, wow, you know, these feel great. They're just about right. Or, oh, my gosh, these things are way too fast. I mean, those are the three speeds right there. And <laughs> and I don't need to put a number to it. And, and I really try hard not to uh, to get the stem meter too involved with our uh, with our communication. Yeah, well, good for you. I mean, that that's that's the right way to do it for sure. You know, Brian, I mean, over the course of your career, you know, Things have changed. Technology's come into to the art of what we do, the science of what we do. You know, we've got moisture meters now where we used to just use a soil probe. We've got firmness meters now. We've got uh, soil sensors. We've got, you know, all kinds of things. How has technology evolved and changed your approach to your job, you know, over the course of your career? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, we used to, the soil probe, shoot, we used to use our thumb, you know, and try and teach people how to irrigate from your thumb into into the turf so I, I you know i remember when the first moisture meters came out you know thinking ah 
you know, you teach somebody you don't need that. Are you kidding? I, I don't go out without one, you know, three times a day. So uh, all, all the tools we have now, it just it's, adds to consistency. It adds to our performance. It adds to the ability to teach the next guys, you know, bring on all the tools as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, the other thing that I think is really important, it, it allows each of us to kind of get more dialed in with not only what we're trying to do for our players, but as it relates to environmental stewardship. I mean, it's still kind of an issue out there, unwritten, but, you know, sometimes written about what golf courses are doing. I think all of these tools are just really helping us make our case for really how we're really promoting the environment. We're really protecting the environment. You know, Justin up there, do you have any things going on, you know, being in the state of California with regulations and stuff that you found technology has helped you be better prepared for? Oh, absolutely. When we went through the drought in uh, 2013, 2014, you know, we got cut 50% water. So that was a huge hit for us. You know, we live with our moisture meters. I mean, we've got two or three of them on the golf course every morning and every afternoon. And um, it's a great tool for us to uh, make sure we're getting the exact amount of water down. You know, we actually went to recycled water last year. We spent $9 million self-funded and we built our own water treatment plant at Paso Tiempo. So we're getting 70% of our usage now from our own recycled water treatment plant. So water's been a huge issue at Paso Tiempo. Water conservation's been a huge issue at Paso Tiempo. So everything that we can do to save a drop of water helps us out environmentally and helps us out from a financial standpoint. Yeah, for sure. That's that's really good stuff. You know, you know, anything we can do to to bring that stuff forward and let people know all that we have going on and how much we actually care is a good thing. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting, but, you know, let's talk about some of the other events that are going on this week. So the, the PGA tour is going to be playing the Zurich classic of new Orleans at the TPC of Louisiana. Brandon Reese is the director of golf course operations over there. He's been there for four years and the TPC of Louisiana is a Pete Dye golf club built in 2004 with Tiff sport Bermuda grass and Mini Verity, which is an ultra dwarf Bermuda grass putting service overseeded with Poa Trivialis. So guys, you know, being California guys, what do you think about growing grass down in New Orleans? Sound pretty swampy and hot to you or what? <laughs> Jump in, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to stick to uh the California coast, but uh yeah, I couldn't imagine growing grass down there. Best of luck to that term, but I'm sure they'll do fantastic. So, Curtis, yeah. neither of us are moving. <laughs> <laughs> No doubt about it. No doubt about it. I mean, uh, I've been to New Orleans a few times in, in the summer a couple of times, and I definitely don't want to go back. So, you know, we all know how tough it must be for Brandon. And uh, he's got his tournament at the right time of the year for him. Hopefully he has a great week and uh, certainly going to be a highly viewed event. Always a good one, kind of wedged in between some of the majors this year. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, the European Tour is in Morocco at Royal Golf Dar es Salaam playing the Trophy Hassan. I mean, this is interesting because one of the things that excited me about this podcast was the opportunity to talk about golf courses and bring guys on from 
you know, places outside of the United States and, and talk about how golf is doing in other parts of the world and such. And uh, so Morocco is in a place you really talk about much. You know, they've got a really temperate climate. It's cool season grasses. The golf course is a Robert Trent Jones design built in the late 60s, but has recently been updated by one of Core and Crenshaw's associates by the name of James Duncan. And when you look into this golf course, what consistently comes back, guys, is how hard it is. Like, it's just not an easy golf course, but it's being recognized amongst the European tour players for being one of the best golf courses on tour. So, you know, do you guys, uh, when you get up early, have a chance and and watch some of the events from the, the European tour, Brian? I mean, that would be real early for you, but do you ever, uh, do you follow much of the golf over there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, having the LPGA event, and Justin, I'm sure, can say say it too. I mean, you know, I, a couple of years ago, I didn't know anything. I didn't know much about the LPGA. I think I'm fairly scholarly about the USGA and the PGA. But uh, I think the more golf you see, the more opportunity you have to, uh, you know, consider some things that uh, you see that are good. Yeah. If you took a aerial shot of either Justin's course or mine, you know, and you told somebody that was in, in Europe, uh, you might not get an argument from some folks, particularly the amount of acreage that we have under turf and the amount of acreage that's left in a more native state. Right. Interesting. When the European tour moves into you know the heart of Europe and up into uh, the British Isles, Great Britain, Ireland, and so forth, I mean, we all love that. This is classic golf, but these places that have been on recently in Malaysia, India, and now Morocco... You know, it's it's cool. I mean, Justin, do you, what do you think? No, it's fantastic. I, I'm lucky. I, the pro shop usually has those European tour events on, you know, when I walk in at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I always stop and, and take a few minutes to see where it's at and, and, and kind of take in the golf course. So I love seeing it. I love seeing the different golf courses over there and the variety. It's good for golf. It's good for us as superintendents to uh, to see what's going on all over the world. You know, they put in a new irrigation system and they're claiming that, which I think is, you know, fair enough, the reduction in water usage from 1970 with the old irrigation system to what they've put in now is upwards of 70%. That'll just basically tell you how important technology is when it comes to water management that you could actually reduce it like that. But we know that could be true, no? With the change in new turf grass varieties and the irrigation technology, I think that that is something that's definitely possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think our viewers would, you know, should definitely watch it. I'm, I'm going to pay close attention myself and maybe next year we can get uh, the superintendent on the program with us. But the web.com is in San Antonio, Texas at Briggs Ranch, which is a zoysia grass golf course on tees, fairways, and rough and bent grass green. So we had some guys from Texas on a couple weeks ago, and we all know what growing bent grass greens in Texas would be like. Another challenging thing to do, but uh, they've got phenomenal zoysia surfaces. You know, I've seen that golf course uh, when the GCSA show was there a few years ago. You guys played on any zoysia fairways, Brian? I have in uh, Kansas, and uh, I agree with you there. Although slow-growing, they were magnificent. We don't have a whole lot of growers that grow it out here, and part of that is due to dormancy and, and, and how long it takes them to establish the turf. 
but there's certainly applications, particularly out here. It'd be a great home lawn. It is really catching on in the sense that, uh, you know, I think at the Atlanta Athletic Club before their PGA Championship a number of years ago, they they really brought Zalicia as a, a championship surface forward. And now you're finding all through the southeast and then obviously into Texas and Casey Koff over at Trinity Forest has got Zoysia Fairway. So, you know, the advancements with Zoysia have have become big time and it's really making its way more into uh, professional venues. Justin, have you had the opportunity to play on much Zoysia? I haven't, but there are two courses here in the San Francisco Bay Area that have put down quite a few acres of Zoysia in their fairways to test it. So it is making its way north here in California, and uh, it's definitely, I think, going to be a, a viable option for superintendents, even in the San Francisco Bay Area, if these trials go well. Well, Chandler Masters is a golf course superintendent at uh, Briggs Ranch, and they've got the Dormy Network Classic this week. And you can be sure that place will be tuned up because uh, just like the college players you have out there, Justin you know, the up and comers who hit it a long way and play it hard and fast. So it should be a great event. You know, I really appreciate you guys being on, but before I let you go, I got to ask you just a fun question and there's no right or wrong answer, or it doesn't really matter why you would say this, but Brian, what's the best conditioned golf course you've ever played? And why would you say it was so? The guy that worked for me years ago, Lane Stavi at the Vintage Club out in Palm Desert does a fantastic job and cool season turf god it's hard to pick from some of the chicago guys there's so many good guys there so many good golf courses you know i grew up and thought that the standard was pretty good you know go back there and north side guys north side guys south side guys i think it's great to see the quality of turf that uh, particularly some of those guys are providing to their membership you know kentucky bluegrass ross and most of the Nicholas kind of blend, you know, bankgrass fairways, you know, 100% bank, bankgrass greens. It'd be hard pick between half a dozen of them back there. Our industry is so rich with talent and, you know, it just keeps getting better. And my crew used to, to hate it when I would go visit other golf courses because I would always come back unhappy because I would see stuff that was better than us, you know, and, um, and that was a good thing. And that was my favorite thing about visiting our colleagues is, is what you see and what you learn. Uh, Justin, how about you? What's the best condition golf course you've ever played and, and why was it so? That's a tough one. Um, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I was fortunate to make a trip out to Pine Valley and, Besides the golf course just being an unbelievable piece of property and design, I, I thought that the condition of the golf course was phenomenal. And, you know, locally here, it's hard. There's a lot of really great, great superintendents in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'd have to say, you know, last time I was at Cypress Point, I thought Jeff Marker was doing a, an outstanding job at Cypress Point. So I know those are two top courses in the country, but um, there's a reason for it. Those superintendents do a fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, that's very true very true those places are special well guys thank you so much for being on the course reports this has been really well received we've been getting a lot of great feedback and uh it's because of guys like you willing to share what's going on behind the scenes and get it out to the people that that are interested in it i'm excited i'm actually in new york right now as we're speaking and uh, i've been at beth page black the last couple of days, and we have been filming a video version, a TV version of the Course Reports called The Course Reports On Site. We're going to put it up on YouTube, and we're going to basically carry the concept to the screen 
and I'm working with this uh, filmmaker named Chris Logan Harley, and he, you can find out more about him on chrisloganharley.com. And I'm really excited to see how this all turns out. But uh, Andy Wilson and Mike Hadley have that place ready to go. They're super excited. Tiger won there in 2002, and obviously coming off the big Masters win, there's even more adrenaline than uh, they already had going, you know, gearing up for uh, the first time the PGA has been played in that time of year. So course is looking great. Weather's getting better every day. So it's, it's going to be fun, but I thank you guys both for being on the program and I wish you the best of luck with the close out of your event, Justin. And, and next week, Brian, with your event, we'll be watching. We hope it goes great. Thank you. Great. Nice talking to you people. Thank you. Well, that wraps up another episode of The Course Reports. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out our website at thecoursereports.com. And don't forget to share all the episodes with your family and friends. And be on the lookout for our new television episode featuring the 2019 PGA Championship at Bethpage Black. It will be on YouTube at The Course Reports. Again, thanks for listening. Catch you next week.